Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another installment of Pod Stallions. I am Brian, and with and with me as always, because there wouldn't be a show without him, is Jason. Ah, oh, bless your heart. Yes, I am Jason. Hi, everyone. How are you? I don't think they're going to reply, but um... it's kind of a universal royal. You okay, you just for yeah. Every, yeah, the world. That's me embracing the world, not just the show, not just you. That's my universal greeting. Well, hopefully, you know what's said about giving love is it comes back you know well listen i've i've paid more and gotten less for love <laughs> um no is, good deed goes unpunished what is this episode 102 103 102 this, i don't remember i think it's 102 i think it's 102 look at us i remember when we were just episode 20 barely shaved back then that's a lot of episodes that's a lot of topics yeah that's a you know, lot of um, a lot of us talking sent out into the void, and I like to think that it's bouncing off satellites right now, going into outer space. Can you imagine? Yeah. That's a great idea for a show or a movie, yeah. where yeah. some hyper intelligent race got some wires scrambled, and all they're getting is our podcast. Oh, that'd be amazing! And they think that we're the two smartest people on the planet, and they're mm. looking because of all the incredible knowledge that we have. These you know, wise it, men have it, so much to say on the subject of Tom Baker. Well, it's like a combination. It's like it's it's stealing from Galaxy Quest and it's stealing from Explorers. Oh, yeah. A movie. Isn't, and, and there's also a Futurama like that. And they're obsessed with with our pop culture. But, you know, the only voices they're getting that are critiquing it or talking about it are ours. And therefore, they think we must be. We are shaping their experience. That's right. That's right. So and now he, the, that's a planet that's very mixed on Buckaroo Banzai. Yes, yes. Even there's, they, there's there's bloody wars. Even they <laughs> haven't come to a consensus on Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> highly advanced race, highly intelligent. But uh, it's episode 102, and um, we're very excited to be here. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. And um, for once, I will not be yawning this evening because I just woke up from a brilliant nap. So, um, <laughs> oh, had a nap. Um, well, listen, I want to say, um, because we've come so far with this and we've done this, uh, for those of you that that uh, know Brian from all of his other adventures and other things that he he, you know, constantly sort of is involved with and talking about and posting about, etc. We are the two pilots of this thing. We are we are driving the ship or driving the. We are the, the co-managers. Uh, the, the, the Chrysler Cordoba, if you will. Mm-hmm. We, are the, uh, we are both the engine and the drivers. But Brian is sort of the, the computer electronic system of the vehicle that without that, your car's, your car's dead. Your car ain't going anywhere. So Brian does all the heavy lifting with getting this thing out to the universe. I... And just the sex leather interior of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. The You're the eye candy, sir. The Corinthian. I'm the Corinthian leather and the air freshener, basically, of the car. But uh, but um, so thank you, Brian. As I don't, I probably don't do enough because without oh. without your sending this out to the universe, you made me think of it when you said that. Like like you know, we can sit here and chat and do this, but you're the one who you know. We slice the bread together, but you package it and get it out to the store 
and send a signal out. So without you. Yeah, my, my pleasure. I really enjoy doing it. And it's gotten down to a science. I used to sit there and cry, but now I figured it out. And uh... <laughs> Well, it's, uh, you know, it's a huge part of the process that you're that you're doing. So because I can barely send attachments. Everybody knows that. Oh, yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, my kids will watch TikTok while they're having breakfast sometimes. And to me, th like that is, what is this? You know, yeah. um, I don't understand it. To me, is if you did a, like a kind of a parody of the future, what the future is going to be like 25 years ago. TikTok would be in it, you know, oh, right. be people so, watching little five second shorts with no attention span. <laughs> so I'm not so, I'm not as techie as I'd like to be, but but it's it's it really is ouch my balls. It's, yeah, yeah, it, it truly is like it is it, it we have it is ouch my balls is what is what TikTok tends to be. I'm not saying you can't get good information from it and good things can't come from it, but it is all part of this bite-sized world that we're living in this, you know, headlines only, or, you know, someone said, you know, someone said, puts a tweet out, says, did you know that so-and-so did this, this, this back in 87? And before you know it, for 24 hours, everybody wants them dead. And then uh, 24 hours later, somebody goes, um, it wasn't that uh, Tom Sawyer, it was the Rush song, Tom Sawyer, or whatever it is. That yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody has to spend 48 hours apologizing to said thing, because no one's, no one's digging any deeper. And that's, mm -hmm. That's really what this what we're doing is kind of the antithesis of, you know, watching a lot of YouTube stuff, because we're going to talk about the thing that I'm doing right now. Might as well. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm now doing a, a new project that I've been hired uh, by Entertainment Earth uh, to do, which is a, a little uh, pop culture show. It's called Plastic Soul. It's my my great, thing. Great choice. Thank you. And, um, you know, each one is, you know, seven, eight, nine minutes long. And it's just about, you know, it, it sometimes ties into items you know current things that are that are happening and that you can order and that are out there to for anybody to find you know um or it's just me riffing on you know kenny everett or you know the monty python records or you know uh you know my first trip to london or, you know anything whatever it sort of strikes me and then it's you know maybe tie it into something current toward the end but it's just me talking to the camera and just telling a little story and you know, filling it up with images and little references and things like that. And in kind of, you know, it, it's it's grown as it, it started and it was I knew it was going to be a little bumpy the first few because I'm trying to find a tone for it. And looking at all this stuff on YouTube, which I watch all the time anyway, but it, it's either somebody sitting in a chair looking at the camera for 90 minutes <laughs> dissecting. The new the new episode of, of Discovery, Star Trek Discovery. It's longer than the episode itself. <laughs> right. No, 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 no footage, no, nothing to reference, but just to sit there and talk, which apparently people can enjoy it well. Or it's they're nice, you know, 20, 25 minute like toy galaxy ones. It's just he sits down and he's got that script and it's just digga digga doo with tons of information, you know, coming at you. But it's in a nice, a nice, you know, uh, packet of info there. Um, and then there's some that are just, you know, three, four minutes or these tiny little you know, or the or the headline of it doesn't match what the thing is, but they've got you there to to look at stuff. And it's it's hard to determine where people go for information or or how much they can sort of take. I I'm trying to make these these plastic soul ones to a 
a reasonable length of time, like eight, nine minutes where you go, okay, I got the info. I'm good. And how much longer can I look at this guy? He's so hideous. You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm the exact same way. And it's just, you know, it is what it is. I have friends who can review Amigo figure for an hour mm-hmm. and they, they have a following. I'm not going to say they're doing it wrong. They're able to sit there and pontificate on something. I can't. Um, I, I don't know if it's just, it, it's not in me to give. Um, and I, I just think that that, you know, you go with what your style is because you got to be authentic to yourself. So if you can do eight, nine minutes. Yeah, if I can, yeah, it's just, you know, there's there's edits here and there, but it's it's kind of like what we're doing where it's it's improvised. I mean, I know what the outline is in my head. Yeah. Where I'm going to sort of go with it. Um, but it is it is very different than than being on a podcast, like guesting on, you know, on Monster Party or doing this with you, whatever it is. You've got, you know, foil. Yeah got people to bounce off of on your we got own. foil on your head too right yeah exactly <clears throat> right now yeah it's different just kind of doing it on your own because i you know you can get sort of self-conscious and think you know who's how much how much longer you know do i do i sort of go with this but like when you do the videos when you do your videos of like you know um i'm, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head like like some of the bootleg when you get those bootleg shipments and you talk, i mean those are that is not a bite-sized bit of information, and it's not a 30-minute bit of information. It's like a perfect digestion. You know what I mean? It's it's a great little meal that tells you what these things are, and you know, because those those tend to be what like like nine, ten minutes long or so. When yeah, you those are my favorites to do, uh, and I try not like I get a lot more in, but I don't do a whole bunch because um, they I don't have to do much research on those, right? Like, right, right, right. I don't know where this comes from, you know, and and. So those are kind of fun, and I just try to figure out things. But, um, yeah, usually my videos are 10 to 15 minutes tops. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's a great – that's a nice bit of information. Like, um, again, nothing against somebody sitting in a chair. Oh, gosh, no. Um, it's, you know, like it's, it's <clears> all 90, just – You know, the trailer – the newest trailer for, you know, Predator 5 or whatever. Like, if you can get 90 minutes out of a four-minute trailer and you want <laughs> – People are going to, I don't know if people stick around and they see the whole thing or not, but um, um, I think it's about, it's about, you're right. I think it's about the way you convey the information and what this thing is meant to be and what the request was, was something that's authentic. Like no, you know, no, you know, car salesman, you know, in your face video, like, hey, everybody, you don't know what you're talking about. There. It's constant yeah. editing and looking up at the camera and jumping at the camera and stuff and just, Hey everybody, here's what it is. Now check this out. This happened to me, or this is a thing, and see what what kind of comes from it. But they wanted something authentic, and that's what I'm I'm kind of trying to do. But um, but oh, but yeah, it, you you've got also you're also uh, gifted in the fact that you are a professional voiceover guy, and you know how to speak, which is really good. Um, thank you. you yeah, know, you've got good cadence, and uh, you know uh, you have a snappy repartee. So you you know I know you're talking to no one. But right. it works. So, I, yeah, you know, I hope. Good so. luck with it, man. I'm enjoying it. Uh, even though, okay. like, I'm the last guy who needs your opinion on things because I've heard it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I still watch it and go, oh that's yeah. The, that's the comment you leave. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Because I talk to him all the time, so I'm not sure who. Actually, I don't need this. Yeah. <laughs> Thumbs up, though. Thumbs up. Yeah. But Thumbs up. But you know. <laughs> I don't know who this is for. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 
Brian, stop leaving comments. It's not what I meant yeah. when I said, please leave a comment, for God's sake. In 2009, you said something different regarding. No, every, every one of yours is like, we covered this in one of our podcasts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> every comment. Yeah, this was good. But by the way, we covered this in one of our podcasts. I flirted with one of those and thought, no, the, the, you got to get the momentum going before you're being a knob. <laughs> Um, so I just passed on sending something kind of snarky. Um, <laughs> That'll come. There'll be plenty. There'll be plenty of time for that if this if this keeps going. So so now's the time for me to say to everybody who listens and who's loved the show and love what we've done. And I would you know never never sort of cash this thing in, but I'd love everyone to check this show out. It's on the Entertainment Earth YouTube channel. It's called Plastic Soul. I think we've already had about. 15 or 16 that have gone up already. I'm I'm well ahead in the shooting of these and and writing of them and stuff. But um, but they're they're evergreens. They're not um, you know they're not really timed to this movie that's going to come out or this item that just hit or something. It's just kind of they're yeah, evergreens. And, and and the nice the nice thing I like about them is you're not trying to tie it in to a deal in Entertainment Earth or anything like that. You're just speaking about stuff you love. Yeah, pre- pretty much. In fact, I, you know, that was that was one of the things that I would sort of get hung up on was whether if I talk about this thing, is it is there something on the site that whatever. But then the the brief is just kind of talk about whatever you want. You just go in anywhere you want. But I do, like I did one about the um, the Marvel, the little four inch Marvel figures that I love. Those new yeah, brands. those are cool. But I start with the Fleetwood stamp sets, which I still have mine in a little gold box. That has the. Little... I've never received any um, letters from you with Fleetwood stamps on them. Well, see, the thing is, I have the little, the little stamp, the little booklet that you put stamps in as well. And I found this, and I took some pictures, and it's got, you know, one like for the Hulk, I drew like Bruce Banner changing into the Hulk, yeah. and Thor, I drew a little hammer. But there's two. There's one that's like Silver Surfer fighting Human Torch. And there's another one where Spidey's fighting Captain America. So I, I open with these and then riff on, seems like Marvel might have gotten into my box of precious things and found the notebook because it clearly storyboarded off of my ideas and blah, blah, mm-hmm. And then make your way around to the Marvel figures. And then like, and of course, they're all up for order on, you know, on, on Entertainment Earth. Data. But that's about the extent of it. It's it's not. And also, they, they sort of didn't want the, you know, here's the new blah blah you know a pop vinyl or the new figure of whatever and it's going to hit friday but check it out it's got wings and it's got a face and it moves because you know once that's sort of out there it's out there like everybody's kind of doing the same thing so um in theory this should be something different and cool for people to check out and um if you enjoy listening to me and us you might enjoy listening and seeing my ugly mug in these things um uh, yeah, you never know. But I'd love it if everybody could check it out and, uh, you know, uh, leave some nice comments or, or like them or subscribe or, you know, just um, fall in love with me. And any one of the above would be great. I'd appreciate it. I've added Plastic Soul as a weekly feature in the Mega Museum newsletter as well. Oh, fantastic. That's great. I'll take all the help I can get. And I promise not to keep harping on this in future episodes, but I thought... I've, I've, it's, it's, I've waited a long time to even talk about it because I wanted it to sort of get moving before I, you know, talked about it before the first one went up. I thought I'd wait yeah. to get a rhythm going. Yeah, it so, makes sense. You want a few out there. Yeah. So there's the plug. So I hope you all uh, dig it. So um, I guess we should tell everyone the topic. 
Oh, I thought that was it. I thought we were just going to talk about me this episode. Is this? Oh, when are we yeah. going to do an episode about me? Is that ever going to happen? All about Jason? That's coming yeah. up. That's episode 138. A very special episode of, yeah. of Pod Series. You lucky people. Um, we need to talk about Jason. Yeah. Problem. How do you solve a problem like Jason? I've, I've assembled everyone here today. <laughs> no, we, yeah, we're gonna... topic. I wish you'd stop. You know what I wish? I wish what? just once you could get through an episode and stay on topic. Like we're oh, all, I know. We're all over the place already. It's all my fault. Um, I don't think I've ever stayed on topic anywhere ever. Um, I actually was topic or boring. auditioning for something that I can't talk about. And uh, I went off topic and they did not find it delightful. <laughs> oh, well, I'm hoping it was La Caja Faux. Is it the it was. Yeah, damn it. Um, Shit. Should have kept that quiet. <sighs> yeah. You know, it's just terrible. But when you know, you've got a surplus of information in your brain, and you know it tends to go all over the place. This is what you get. You know? Yeah. 102 episodes, and I'm not sure we've ever completely stayed on topic. <laughs> I think we pride ourselves. That should be the T-shirt. Pods down. We never stay on topic. Our show itinerary would look like one of those um, family circuses where it says, <laughs> "Let's follow Billy," you know, and it's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would. You got to keep up with us, man. Yeah. <laughs> Up. What can. is the topic today? I've even forgot what the topic was. The topic is Doctor Who magazine. That's right. But we're also just going to talk about UK, you know, science fiction publications that influenced us as, you know, little shavers. Yeah. And I want to know, because uh, I have a very specific story, but I would like to know when you first discovered Doctor Who uh, monthly, because I, I don't think either of us knew about it. When it, it started as a weekly in the late 1970s. Yes. Uh, created you... by a guy by the name of Des Skin yep. from Marvel. And yep. uh, Des Skin is one of those really influential guys that no one really talks about anymore, but he had a huge impact on the British comic industry. Oh my God, legendary. He yeah. uh, his, his pitch to Doctor Who, the BBC, is legendary. Uh, follow him on Twitter if you don't, because oh. great stories and um, really... Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, in a way, you know, we just, I just, I was just telling you, I saw the first rough cut is done of the uh, Star Wars holiday special documentary, which is called The Disturbance in the Force. And there's a great section there where we talk about Charlie Lippincott and how important uh, Lippincott was to getting uh, Star Wars out there, and you know, uh, uh, working with Fox and Lucasfilm, et cetera, and like taking. Mark Hamill to Comic-Con in 76 and getting, you know, Howard Chaykin to the poster and the Mark thing. But there's so many little moments that he was part of that you can go, if that didn't happen, like if he didn't get that ball rolling or or change the way studios thought about promoting things, you know, there's so much we wouldn't have had at, at the time. And Des Skin came to the BBC with this idea. I mean, it, they just they just weren't, they just didn't think that way. The B, you know, at, at that point, merchandise was you know, uh, a yearly annual, maybe some candy. Yeah. The Dennis Fisher stuff had hit, but there wasn't a ton of, you know, merchandise other than print. And I think, I think even up to Tom Baker was sort of, you know, like TV comic and things like that. It was where it would show up. I, think I remember a, a particular comment Des Skin made saying that at this point, 
they were just taking Pertwee stories and drawing Tom Baker's face over them. They they were. If you, I've yeah. seen, yeah, it's I've seen them. It's it's incredible. They just stick. They just drew Baker's face over the the Pertwee stuff. But was it was it TV comic? Was that what it was in? I can't was, remember. It wasn't. It wasn't countdown. countdown? It wasn't countdown. It was, maybe it was count. It, countdown did have it for a while. Um, I, I've I've lost track of of how. Well, there was never there was never like for as popular as the show was, it never had something official like that, like an official comic book or no. had the merchandise. It, but the BBC was always notoriously terrible at marketing this thing and making merchandise. And he launched the weekly. There's great images out there of the uh, the dummy copy, the dummy issue that he made um, of it. And uh, they launched it, and they managed to get Tom Baker as well uh, for the launch, and he'd yeah. show events and stuff um but i didn't know i i can tell you exactly when i knew this thing existed it was a friend of my cousin david who we've talked about many times mm-hmm. i couldn't tell you the kid's name to save my life but i remember him just being kind of like you know what what you would have called it at the time like that guy that dude's a spaz man he's just he's never stops he never stops he's always bouncing he's always talking he's always and he was just this hyper kind of kid you know that that um my cousin David realized that both of us were watching the same show. We both knew Doctor Who. And he stuck me on the phone with him once. He said, well, here, talk to my friend. Oh, I remember having to do that. It was something like that. And he, and he gave the phone to the dude. And the kid just started, oh, I know, oh you like Doctor Who? I like Doctor Who. How long did you Who's your favorite? Did you watch it? Did you watch it? And, and at some point in the conversation, I'm just like, first up, I'm just kind of stunned on the other end of the phone as an 11-year-old or whatever that, I'm talking to another human that knows this show. He might have been the only other person. My cousin David watched it, too, because I would tell him to watch it, and he'd, he'd make fun of it. But nobody watched it that I knew, so this kid knew it. But but at some point in the conversation, he started throwing me information, and I'm going, uh, I'm not sure if you, how do you know that, you know? Where did you hear that? Like, how did you know that for sure? And he might have been the kid that said, that started talking about toys, I might have said something like, I wish there were toys. I wish there was something. And it's like, oh, there were. There was. No way. What 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 are you talking about? And he started talking about this magazine called Doctor Who Mag Doctor Who Monthly. It was Doctor Who Monthly at the time. And it was like my brain just kind of exploded. Like, what? Because you know, Starlog, we were getting Starlog every month. And I think at that point I may have found Fantasy Empire. That wasn't a magazine that existed at the time. Um Fangoria, I would pick up now and then. Uh, uh, what was the British Starlog? Was it called Starblast? Starburst. 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 Yeah, okay. We, I, I remember getting a Starburst annual on clearance that was uh, not very good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and they, they brought it back. They brought it back like 10, 10 12 years ago. It, it kind of came back for a while. It was, it was like a thicker, a thicker magazine. It was, it was pretty good. But he told me about this, and I said, where? I've never seen this magazine. What are you, where would you find this? What are you talking about? And I remember him saying, well, you have to go to Schinders. And Schinders was a chain. There was only like three or four locations that was a, a newsstand, but like not a newsstand, like out front with an awning, you know, a little store that you'd go into that maybe had sodas and things like that. But it was mainly uh, magazines and newspapers from all over. And then of course, as you headed toward the back, got very adult it was a huge adult sounds section. like a place to get a marble riot <laughs> most people most people that would hear the word shinders especially back then would well you're not going you i'm not taking you to shinders what are you talking about <laughs> smut eh 
<laughs> and so I don't know who, who, how I got a ride or got my dad or my brother or someone to take me because the only, the closest Shinders was downtown St. Paul, which was seedy back then. It's kind of can be seedy now, but it was really seedy back then. Um, and I remember looking at the, um, the, you know, the, 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 where the sort of TV and Starlog type things would be. And I found they had two copies and I think it was the issue. It had Turlo on the front. So it must've been 83. And, <laughs> and of course, but the thing is very much like the first trip that I had to London where I didn't know who Peter Davison was. Right. When I got the sutured uh, Easter egg, chocolate egg. The yeah, my story is very similar to yours. I'm glad you brought that up. I remember looking at this dude in the doorway going, well, they must have, they must be, they must make a children's version of the show, like a Saturday morning version of Doctor Who. Because clearly an adult wouldn't dress like this. Because who would dress? It's exactly how I thought it. There must have been dressing. Because here's the thing, when I think about it now, I don't, because I, what happened was that was at Madame Tussauds. We went to Madame Tussauds, came around the corner, just as I'm getting despondent because there's no doctor who does anywhere in London. We come around the corner, and there's Tom Baker leaning against the TARDIS with K9. And of course, that's right when I ran out of film, and you couldn't go back to the front to get film. So when I went in, it was that display that they had up in 81 that was, that he was I think he was the first person to be in Madame Tussauds twice at the same time. So Baker was in at the front, and then when you went into this special room that was all Doctor Who, it had the uh, the uh, him as Meglos. So he was in there twice. And I think it had a Dalek and maybe a Cyberman, and someone has the information, so the photos are out there. Came out the other side and couldn't wait to get to the gift shop because that's where the Doctor Who stuff's gonna be. And all they had was this Easter egg. So I think even when I looked at the logo, I didn't recognize the logo on that trip because the last season of Baker had not aired in America yet. Which brings up an interesting thing about the magazine, and then I'm gonna throw it to you. Getting this issue with Turlow, we would get the magazine, and we would be getting information out of it that we wouldn't see in shows for another year. Uh, years, actually. Maybe maybe longer, yeah. I think yeah, maybe, yeah. Right. So I, yeah. I knew who he was. I knew who Davidson was at that point, but I had no idea who Turlow was. But I think yeah. that might have been my first issue. But over to you, Ryan. What was yeah, your um, my first issue. This is a weird story. Um, my dad liked to gamble. And uh, <clears throat> I believe and he didn't. He was he was amazingly good at it, but he didn't do it. And um, he would gamble with us. And he'd get really like he we'd play backgammon for money, and I, we never had to pay if we lost. Mm -hmm. Just this like I'll give you two bucks if you win. I'll give you another two bucks if you win. <laughs> you know he he did that. He was addicted, but he did he was not going to casinos or ever doing that sort of thing. So okay. this one day, I'd say it was probably uh, summer of '83. So I'm 12, and he goes. If you win this next game, I'll do whatever you want on Saturday. And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to play anymore. And he said, look, 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 what do you want to do? And I go, well, I want to go down to a comic book store and have pizza at Frank Vettier's. And he's like, done. And I want to bring a friend. Done. And I won. So <laughs> you had to drive me downtown Toronto to the Silver Snail, which was um, 
on Queen Street. And Queen Street was magical and electric in the early 80s. He had taken me there once before. And now I just, you know, he he opened the genie and I wanted to go all the time. Wait, Brian, did you take me down Queen Street? No, because it wasn't there anymore. Oh, okay. Because I remember you taking me down one street and you said this was like vibrant in the 80s. Like, was... Yeah, that was okay. the annex. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Go ahead. Sorry. <clears throat> so um, you went to the Silver Snail, actually, on your own. It was a shell of itself. Uh, or you asked me about it anyways. Um, okay. okay. <clears throat> so uh, that's where I found it. Um, I, I found Doctor Who magazine number 73. And um, I had no idea they had a Doctor Who magazine. And I think it had just switched to monthly uh, a year or so back. So that 73 was, you know, I think they did a whole year of weekly. Um, And the thing that blew me away was it was Peter Davison on the cover sitting with Tegan, uh, who I didn't even think I knew then because I'm not sure we'd even seen uh, these these episodes yet. Mm -hmm. And... um, I knew the Doctor regenerated. Unlike you, um, I had seen Pertwee turn into Baker, and I'd seen mm-hmm. bits of Three Doctors, and mm-hmm. so I understood the concept. And I think it was in the. Um, it was also mentioned in the Marvel premiere, which came out what eighty two. Um, oh, the one yeah with uh, with Baker on the cover with the with the long scarf, and it was a. I love that Walt Simonson cover. Oh, yeah. Cover so great. So that was what eighty eighty one eighty two was it. I think it was 82. And they did four issues, right? Yeah, they did uh, They did four issues. And, uh, yeah, those were the first four comic stories from Doctor Who Monthly. From Doctor Who. And they're excellent. They're they're actually my favorite Doctor Who comics the, uh, of all time. It was the Iron Legion, right? Iron the... Legion, awesome. And then the one, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's about the planet where there's no emotions. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, excellent right. stories, fun stories, little dark. Drawn uh, by the great uh, Dave Gibbons uh, drew, yeah. drew those issues, yeah. And um, so I grabbed this with both hands because there was uh, something, and this is influenced Toy Ventures magazine, the words free sticker inside. <laughs> and I'm very proud to say I still have this sticker of a grinning Peter Davison. It is, which is also, I believe, a Dave Gibbons drawing. It, that, it could it's, be, it's, yeah. It's like a two-color, uh, a two-colored sticker, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. It's black, white, and red. So that's, yeah, that's right. Yep, I had that too. I had it because well, this we'll get to back issues in a minute, but that's so that was your first issue, and you got yeah. the sticker. Wow. And and I I can my takeaways from that magazine, and it might still be here in the house, but uh was you know it was so we were still i think at that time in the graham williams era uh, on tvo um so we were you know just i think that next year so i was going into like the eighth grade mm-hmm. we would start to get the jnt stuff and at first i was extremely excited about it um, you know, it felt like it was breathing new life into the franchise and um, it was speaking definitely to a more, you know, mature 13 year old you know, <laughs> who's a little tired of being dogged about the show's special effects by his friends and, you know, right. that sort of thing. Um, so I was all for it and I was very excited. But the one takeaway I remember uh, was there was a, 
an ad that the next issue of Blake Seven magazine uh, will feature. Will give away a button that says "Save Blake Seven. Oh. And I like. I think I went through all the range of like. Wait, there's a Blake Seven magazine. Wait, Blake Seven's been canceled. What's Blake Seven? You yeah. know, like I just went through sure. all of that. Sure. How could you possibly under? I mean, it was. It was. Um, I, I, what I remember about it too, and this is this kind of goes along with everything that Doctor Who was to us at the time, and I always sort of associated with this. You know, of course it wasn't like a real magazine. I mean, it was a real magazine, but it only had a glossy cover and back. It was mainly black and white inside, right? It was black and white, and it was newspaper print. I yeah. never held a magazine that was like that, and it was super thin, and the writing was tiny, you know, mm. and, and not all the photos were captioned, you know. Um, I don't know how long after that issue... Because see, with the, the the two that are the, the, how this goes together is that first issue. I think there were maybe two or three times where I went back. Well, I would I would go to Schinders then to get it every month, but of course it opened this doorway to like, okay, this is issue whatever number. I need to know to know more about this, which then led me to the British mail order company that I've talked about many times on the show, Star Something. <laughs> Not Star Tech, but Star Something, where, as again, I've said many times, if you sent cash, you got like a 30% discount on this stuff. And these catalogs would show up in the mailbox, like in the middle of winter. And it was basically, um, you know, long sheets of paper. And the whole thing was folded in half, like a, you know, stapled. And, and I mean, we're talking photocopied, like you can barely, they would just stick things up in the upper edge that couldn't quite fit. And like, you'd see jelly babies written sideways on one thing for, you know, three three ninety nine or, you know, whatever. And there was no order form. You just grabbed a piece of paper and wrote out the order form. But I, every time I ordered, I never, nothing ever went missing. I never didn't get my package. I always sent cash. And so I would put cash in an envelope and then tape coins rather than just send like an extra dollar. I would do the coins like an idiot. I was a kid and I would tape, I would tape the coins to an, uh, 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 you know, a little index card, stick it in an envelope, stick that inside the envelope, extra postage, et cetera, et cetera, sent cash and always got my stuff. Every now and then they'd send a note we were missing issue, whatever, here's your refund. Or, you know, you've got this much credit or something. In this catalog, they had all of the original Doctor Who weekly issues um, uh, that you could back order and all the monthlies. But what really turned me on as I got into this magazine, so now we're talking 83, 84, 85, was the specials. Like, yeah. I became obsessed with getting the, the summer and winter specials because – there was no equivalent that I could think of to the magazines we were reading. I mean, there was, you know, the, the Starlog scrapbooks, but I thought, oh, this is like a best of. And it, and, and they would sometimes come with a, with a free thing. The thing is, I, I always associate that magazine, too, with these, these UK magazines that come with a free gift on the front or inside. And, and over the course of – because we have to say – I could be getting this statistic wrong – Doctor Who Monthly, which then became Doctor Who Magazine, I believe is the longest running tie-in magazine in history. Like, it has never stopped. In all well, I was going to get into that. It actually kind of, I think, kept Doctor Who alive. Oh, totally. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, whoever was 
whoever was was you know still out there hoping for it or whatever the fan base was absolutely but it was you know it 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 uh there 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 weren't a lot of little extra you know little doodads that that kind of came with the magazine. I found them in many other types of magazines, which which we'll talk about. But really, I think the first two issues a weekly came with the rubdown transfer, right? Is it yeah, two? and in fact, I am desperately trying to find a factory that will make rubdown transfers so I can do my own pod stallions ones. Which just makes, I mean, complete sense. I mean, do you remember the first time, I remember the first time seeing like an issue of, maybe it was 2000 AD or like a Dan Dare type thing in the, in the mid 80s. It's, again, at one of these newsstand type places that had... I mean, they would even do it with like copies of smash hits. When I would go to record stores to find imports and stuff, they would have a few issues of smash hits from, from, you know, 86 or whatever. And it was like, you know, swing out sister bracelet or like a little, you know, they tape on a level 42 comb or something. And it was taped onto the front of the magazine. I always thought, don't people just rip these off the the magazine? But, But no, there they were. And it became, you know, they eventually that... Kids Doctor Who magazine they did once the show came back. I was, you know, how obsessed I was with little premiums that would come with it. But, uh, but yeah, but that was uh, that was it, it wasn't that common in the magazine. Um, but there was one of the specials that came with a pullout monster guide. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't think I had that one. So, and the cover of it was the what was the creature from Nightmare of Eden? Those like drug creatures. Oh God! If you just had they're they're terrible. I hate Nightmare of Eden. Um, Ter- terrible the, show. I can I can remember the drug that they were made into the Grell. No. Um, oh man. Not the um, was the the drug. Um, boy, I hate that era. <laughs> just 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 when just when you could you could totally see like the masking tape holding the set. <laughs> in fact i think just, there's even a scene in nightmare of eden where somebody shoots a panel and it blows up before the laser beam hits it and it's like <laughs> that's a post effect like well, why did that get screwed up like would you remember um like horns of horns of nimon oh Nimon's my favorite Nimon? yes I remember when the, because, you know, you're a I'm a kid and I'm waiting for the creature to show Mandrels, up. Mandrell, by the way. Mandrell sisters. Mandrell sisters. Barbara Mandrell. Barbara yeah. Mandrell is in the cover of the Doctor Who pull-out monster guide. Yeah. Um, they, I would sort of hope for a monster or a creature or some kind of spooky villain. Not like stones of blood kind of creatures, like an actual creature. Or, or a cabbage from, um, uh, uh, what's it, Horror Fang Rock? But that's, that's, <laughs> that's. That's Hall of Fame compared to the ball bag that's in Creature from the Pit, which is there is no amount of makeup. <laughs> the Creature from the Pit, when his ship leaves <laughs> the hole, it's like, did you hire a grade school to do this? Like, like it is... But I mean, it's just, there's, from, from the drawing board, you know how, because you know, people like the Matt Irvine always say, well, we didn't have a lot of money for the things, so this yeah. is Yeah, and, and he did amazing things. Amazing uh, things. But but when you look at some of it, you go, look, it maybe it would have been better if you just not bothered or, or made it an invisible monster or something. But when I saw Horns <laughs> when I saw the Nimon guys, as a, even as a kid, I thought, oh, this is like symbolic. Like this is a this is a character within the show symbolically doing like a pantomime version of what the creature is or something. Because I always it, loved the high priest in that one. 
Oh, he, he, he almost became the doctor. He was up. He, I think they were talking about him after Pertwee was, was what's his name? Shit. Oh, no, I don't think it's shit. No, he was in a lot of Lindsay Anderson films. He was in uh, Anya Hospital. So chewing. Oh, he's the scenery. Wonderful. I'm going to think of his name, Clive or not Clive. Um, It's going to come to me, but I think he was considered after Pertwee. Like really? He, yes. They I think I've heard that too. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, weird. They were going to make him an old guy for a lot. Like yeah, uh, but you know the Nimon thing is like a, a a badly done bullhead with light up horns, and then it's oh, a guy, I was there. A guy Graham Crowden, I think his name was. A, what was it? Graham Crowden. Graham Crowden, yes. And I know he was in Britannia Hospital. He might have been in Oh Lucky Man. I think he he made a lot of films with Lindsay Anderson. You know the trilogy that Lindsay Anderson did with Malcolm McDowell, like mm. If Oh Lucky Man, uh, Britannia Hospital. I think he was in all three. Oh, okay, yeah. I actually like those films. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Oh Lucky Man is fantastic. Yeah. Um, if is If is genius. But um, uh, so this little monster guy was a pull-out monster guy, and then you folded it into like fourths. And it was just so exciting because it was, you know, we you, we were so similar in so many ways about this stuff, uh, Brian, because we just were so desperate to have some kind of merchandise for this show. Yeah. You know, and, and there was and there was nothing. There just was there just was nothing. And so so that catalog, again, is synonymous with the magazine because that's where I started to pick up all my all my back issues was from that British that British company. And yeah, I, I think my first thing I ever mail ordered was from um, the, the uh, Star Wars, Starlog, but it was a Doctor Who magazine, uh, the Radio Time special. And I ordered that from uh, Geppy's Comic World, Geppy's Comic World. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, I overpaid and Steve Geppy sent me a check for 50 cents, which oh. I had no way of cashing. But, you know, it's weird that the... The president of Diamond Comics uh, sent, once sent me a check for 50 cents, you know? I'd be worth something someday. Well, I could put it in my Cayman Islands offshore holding account. Probably worth a fortune now. Yeah. The very first thing I ever mailed away for, again, um, you know, it's funny because I picked up, uh, um, I do occasionally still pick up the magazine. I just picked mm. up, I got to tell you this, because I just picked up the newest issue that mm. ties into the Sea Devils episode they just did. Oh, but what's cool about it is it comes with a free extra book. Do you remember the target range that came out called Doctor Who Discovers the Dinosaurs or Doctor? Oh, Who yeah, I didn't buy those. So I so they did four of them, I think. I managed to track down three of them from from, you know, hippie bookstores in the Twin Cities or maybe mail order or whatever, whatever I sort of find these things in sci-fi bookstores. Um, there was a fifth that never happened called Doctor Who uh, d Discovers the Pirates or Explores Pirates or Becomes a Pirate or something. <laughs> and and, uh, and Target dropped the line and it was done. And that was it. Um, but for this commemorative issue, it turns out they found out that the manuscript existed. The guy who, who wrote them, uh, his widow had the manuscript of the Pirates one. And so they published it. It's it's the extra booklet that comes with this. It's the it's the one that never that uh, got canceled way back in 1978 or whatever it was, and um, they even got the original artist who did the covers back then to do the new cover, 
of this of this Doctor Who Discovers book, uh, Tom Baker. Wow. Yeah, and I just got chills. And then I would go on to find out he did a lot of the covers of a lot of the Target books. You know, the, the main artists were like, was it Chris Chris Achilles? Yeah. And then this dude. And then I find out he also did the gatefold of the live album Wings Over America. Wow. Uh, I used to stare at this painting I would stare at of the, the musicians on stage, you know, Paul and Linda and everybody. The same artist. So I so they still they do premiums now and then that they still do, but they'll do these great commemorative issues of like 1976 or you know 1983 and there's a whole section on merchandise there's a whole section on uh the target range a whole section on you know long leech or these things that 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 you know um that happened at, at you know at the time and uh and they're really thorough about just you know the the history of the magazine and how long they've been doing you know, who what what issues were coming out and what kind of stories were in the issues and things like that and they're they're just terrific i mean it's it really is going back in time looking at these things to to learn about the year that yeah i haven't bought it in years the last time i bought it um was the um i think you told me about it it was you said you got to read doctor who monthly this month peter davidson is just out of f's to give (laughs) (laughs) it was toward the the 50th yeah yeah and then um or maybe I bought it on your recommendation, but there was a point where I was recovering from a surgery and I bought a stack of them. And um, the the ones I remember the best were, you know, Peter Davidson. And then there was a really great interview with Terrence Dix. And, you know, Terrence Dix was just such a, a mercurial soul. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a really fun read. And, um, you know, he said he 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 revealed stuff that was like you know basically his father didn't respect him. Oh, uh, yeah, they just didn't understand like the work he was doing. Like his dad thought you went to a factory and get a job. You know, mm-hmm. write books. You know, I, I don't know how yeah. to explain it. You know, did you ever um, get the um, did you ever get any any of the Blu-ray sets? You know, the season sets. I yeah, I struggled with that uh, because. You can't blue like you know I I mainly buy Blu-rays of shitty Grindhouse movies to watch them and you know as as, it, as they were originally intended not in terrible shape right <clears throat> but there's only so much resolution you could put on you know um, on old videotape and yeah. uh, also I've never been terribly fond of the new effects they try to do some of them are good and some of them are bad you know like yeah. uh, to the to the credit of the bbc unlike paramount you can watch them as is which i really appreciate um yeah but i bought that. i bought the first tom baker one because it was on sale and that is to me the perfect season of doctor who oh my God. and i i devoured the extras oh that's that's the thing like Part of it is some of them like I already owned and then some stories I never bothered to get. And then some I'm you know, the whole season I'm eating. But it's mainly for the extras, it's mainly for the you know, I don't I don't love the behind the sofa stuff, but it is kind of fun to see certain people together. Um, but one of them and I think it's it might be that 75 one, the, the Baker one or one of them. They they do um, a documentary on Terrence Dix. 
they go. Oh, they, I'd love to watch that. They do a roundtable appreciation with all these writers, all these people that have either written for the show or and or written uh, paperbacks adaptations for the for the show. Um, and, um, and they just spend an hour, you know, an hour and change talking about, you know, Paul Cornell is in there talking about how without Terrence Dix and his writing, uh, it, it taught him so much about writing and how to tell a story and the little bits that, you know, that he would, that he would sort of embellish that weren't in the script and weren't on screen and how much further Dix would, would go with it. But he was always in the magazine. He would always show up in, you know, every few issues in Doctor Who. Doctor Who monthly and stuff. And it, it just was, you know, it was, it was one of those things that um, I, I, I kept going with the show. You said something interesting where you said, come on, it's going to breathe new life. You know, now, now you pick up every issue and then, you know, you're going to, cause uh, my must've been the same for you. If you got an issue and read about these new stories, you weren't going to actually see the story for like another. Yeah. Year. Like that. I bought that magazine in 1983 in the summer of 1983 i was 12 i would not see four to doomsday and castro valva till the winter of 1985 okay yeah that makes sense yeah which was which was really conflicting because you're 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 getting plot points and you're hearing about things and the letters yeah. page of people you re i remember eventually uh i would say within a year of that discovery, a local comic book store <clears throat> was able to order Doctor Who Monthly for me. And in fact, it was my first, um, my first and last thing of opening a file and then stop buying shit and eventually getting that file closed on me. It was a very harsh lesson. I did, I did make it up with, because that guy still owns a comic store to this day, and he's a good friend, and he trained me in martial arts and, and all this other stuff. But yeah, uh, I'm glad he's forgiven me for welching on that. Um, but I would buy it every month. Yeah. Until I didn't, because um, for me, uh, and it, you know, it's my, just my journey, but um, the Davison era was a slog for me. There was a lot of good stuff about it and a lot of really terrible stuff about it yeah and i think i personally peaked in the 83 the five doctors era because i think the five doctors was actually shown that year if i'm it, not it, mistaken well no it was it was actually a, it's still a bone of contention because in that 83 issue they talk about it that aired in america uh, a day or two before it aired in the uk oh okay so i did i did, I did catch it or it was either that or we got it no no i take it back i'm sorry i take it back we got the paperback oh america somehow got the target novelization before the uk did i think if that's what i'm it was one of the two but it's they still talk about it like how on earth could america because it was just when things were opening up with america so so i remember that special airing at the right time you know so maybe by 83 84 it, there wasn't such a gap between when we got the shows. See, so, yeah, that's all very fuzzy to me. I just remember the, the the regeneration. I remember just being gutted when Baker was off the show. I didn't, my brain couldn't take it. I didn't understand what was going on. And then I was just sort of, I don't care. Why would I care? And I was very begrudgingly sort of got into the Davis and stuff just to have the show back. Maybe in hopes that somehow Tom Baker was going to 
change his mind or come back or something. But I saw that Remington steal and you went, oh, no, it's over. Well, that's right. Yeah, it is. It's when I was that's right about the time I joined the Doctor Who Appreciation no, the Doctor Who Appreciation Society of America. No, the North American. I was, I was, uh, I was a Doctor Who Information Network. Yes, this was the Doctor Who Appreciation Society was the first fan club in the UK. I was in the North American branch, which was the North American Doctor Who Appreciation Society, which was. Oh, Nadwas. Nadwas. That's what it went by. I still have my little ID card uh, somewhere, but it was it was a five page newsletter. That'll get you late, Oliver Town. <laughs> it was a five-page newsletter stapled together. But then the Doctor Who fan club of America, that's right around. Yeah, that was a glossy bunch of nothing. That was, but that was like, they really knocked, you know, kicked it oh, up. Oh, yeah, full-color print. Full-color um, print, bunch of merchandise, pins, scarf, balsa wood model. Yeah, the balsa wood homunculus. That homunculus, they, yeah. the TARDIS, the, the stuffed canine. But, you know, that was when I'd see it and I'd go, this is okay. Here's the other thing. This makes me think we're of mainstream now, baby. Yeah, well, you go. Well, the, why did it take so long to do things like this? I remember in the magazine, an item, a, an item of news in the magazine was the brand new. Be sure to look for the brand new Doctor Who prismatic buttons. Oh yeah. One, one is the logo, and one is of the Cybermen head. They never, they never showed those on the PBS. Um, and it was like, but that was an article in the magazine. Like two buttons are about to come out. Hold, yeah. Stop the presses, you know. Like Mike is the, being dropped here, people. <laughs> there, was, there was a. I remember the back issue, the back page of of an issue or two, that had the a Cyberman holding up or wearing the Davison T-shirt. Remember that Davison T-shirt? Yeah. But I mean, that was it. That was it. That was advertised in in the magazine. Oh, this has made me think of the. The issue, this big special issue from 83 that I found uh, that the magazine put out was they I think I want to say Suzanne Moore or somebody more or someone. There was some woman in America. This all makes sense now. Who got some kind of a license with the BBC and she produced started making these calendars. And they were, you know, you know, just photos you know, it was, it was Baker Davis and maybe a Pertwee picture, uh, you know, a trout. Adric, picture. 1984. But, but it was it was like the first official Doctor Who calendar that had come out. Like the BBC had never done it in the UK. And this woman got the license. So she had she had those. She made um, a button, which I still have, which is it was just Tom Baker, like from the opening of opening credits. It's one of my favorite. Is things. it one of the square ones? No, it was round. Okay. She made the, she got the button and then she started to import the TARDIS tin, the Tom Baker TARDIS tin. Yeah, I had the I had the Davison one because I she, couldn't stand that Tom's body was drawn. She must have sold those by the truckload because she was the only person that had them. And that was the very first thing I think I ever ordered was that tin. I don't know where I saw the ad, but I mailed away for it and it was you know, that was like I, I bought one too, so obviously um, I saw the ad too. I don't remember where. Well, yeah, so so I don't know when I got the Davison one, but I got the Baker one. Like like must have been eighty two or so, maybe something like that. I got mine. Uh, my Davison one, I, I must have gotten in eighty four. And it was for me that was like the Millennium Falcon Kenner toy, because that was it. That was the only friggin' 
toy. And that's another thing I think of the magazine for is when the kid said, oh, there were toys that were made. I'm like, bullshit, there were toys. What are you talking about? And he says he saw them in Doctor Who magazine. Well, when you'd get this British catalog, a tiny, tiny little print that would tell you which issue was what. And it would sort of list five or six things that were in the issue. And I remember this particular issue that said Doctor Who merchandise guide in, in the, you know, it was in the magazine. And I mailed away for that. And that was the first time I'd seen photos of Doctor Who merchandise. Like it was a, it was like a six page spread, you know, grainy black and white photos. Yeah. A group shot of the Dennis Fisher stuff. And here's a talking Dalek and whatever. And I went insane in, in eighth grade because I saw the Tom Baker doll sitting in a black and white photo in the magazine. Like in the background. And I was like, I have to have that. Well, see, I remember. OK, this is going to be weird. You just talked about the 83 Radio Time special. Yeah. There's a photo in there of John Nathan Turner. That's where I saw it. It's behind John Nathan Turner. He has a Cyberman. John Nathan Turner in that picture. I think there's him and Leela, I think, maybe figures are in that photo. Um, And there were a couple other things in there that went, oh, what's that piece of merchandise? Maybe there's a Dalek in there or something. But I remember the Tom Baker was in there. Um, And then in 84, there's a special issue that came out that was just dedicated to merchandise. And it was right around the time when, um, I mean, the two big things that came out that year, there was an interview with the BBC licensing guy and the magazine interviewer was taking (laughs) the magazine interview was taking the angle of like, why don't you make more Doctor Who merchandise? Millions of people watch this show. Well, we'd have to have a very good reason. Let me tell you what we've got coming up. And they had those. Was it Royal Dalton made those plates? Yay, plates. Commemorative freaking plates? That was their big push for 84. It was <laughs> annual and some plates. And then there was a woman that was going to be doing resin uh, statues. Oh, and of course, lest we forget, fine art castings and their little lead figures that hit in 83 or 84 which was like having an action figure line because I ordered a bunch of those. I still have Tom Baker somewhere. Uh, I didn't like the proportions on them. I didn't either, but it, we didn't have, it was, it was, we didn't have <laughs> I mean, there were hey, look, I accepted the Daypole Tom Baker action figure oh. in 1988 or whatever that came out with it. It's not Doctor Who. That's just a Tom Baker action those figure. Are, those are works of art compared to the little fine <laughs> yeah. which were, which were, you know, I got they had little ones and then they had like, a, you know, three or four inch scale. They also had a set of busts that they advertised in the in Doctor Who Monthly, um, the six doctors, which were really nicely done little little busts. Um, and then the gaming company in America did those little tiny one. Was it FASA? FASA? Yeah. FASA? I remember FASA, yeah. They made sets of figures in little TARDIS boxes. And I would get those, and I still have the ones I painted in in on, in my case. Uh, you just brought up a, a wonderful memory that I I took Amigo uh, Davy Crockett because it's the only thing I could find that kind of looked like Tom Baker. And I asked my grandmother to make a coat, and I don't know how I made a little scarf for him, but I had a a Doctor Who doll. That's, that's probably the first custom Amigo I made. 
That's fantastic. It was horrible. That's, but, but look, I mean, like, you know, we, I, you know, you'd also find in the back of the magazine pen pals. And I yeah. became friends with a couple of people that it, one was in Italy, I think. And one was in the UK. And I've told you several times about yeah. the UK guy that cut me off once he knew how old I was. Yeah. <laughs> he stopped. Suddenly the letters just stopped. Because <laughs> uh, this poor guy probably thought I was, a, you know, a grown man writing chicken scratch for two years. I mean, he sent me so much stuff, annuals and postcards and with, you know, without asking, all of a sudden a package would show up. And then one day I was like, tell me more about yourself. I like these movies. What movies do you like? You know, no, actually I asked him, you know, after writing to you for so long, I wish I had these letters. I'd love to know what he was saying to me, but I was like, tell me more about, you know, what else? I'd love to know more about you. Just now that we're friends. And he wrote a letter back and gave all these favorite movies and favorite shows. And I disliked the Smurfs and all these things. And and then I wrote back my and then like the next letter didn't come for months, <laughs> months. And then finally I got a letter and it was very brief, very cordial. But I immediately thought, uh oh, <laughs> it's not going to write to me because I'm 13 or 14. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he sent me a lot of stuff. But you had the fine art casting stuff. Uh, which was a big deal. And the other thing that made me think of you the other day, and I can't believe I found this. Um, do you remember, and this was big news in the magazine. This was big news in the magazine. And by God, I ordered one. And it sat in the box until I got rid of it and I sold it. Do you remember the company called Sevens that made the Dalek model kit? Yeah, they made Davros. I remember the Sevens, yeah. They started just with the Dalek. And, yeah. and they're, they're, they couldn't keep up with the orders. They got so many orders, but it was vacuform. And I had no idea how to build this kind of model kit. And it came in a cardboard box with a sticker on the front that had a photo of this beautiful looking Dalek model. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually, he, I think he did an Ice Warrior and a Davros and whatever else. But that was it was like to call the Dalek construction kit. It was this huge deal that this thing was going to get made because it was. My God, the BBC licensed it for something other than a book or something. And mm. it cost a fortune to get it. But I just came across on YouTube a Blue Peter story of this young man named Stuart Evans who makes his own Dalek uh, model kits. And he's here to show us what he does with them. And, you know, he, he's he got a whole big set built where they've got explosives going off and a couple guys are, you know, under the thing, you know, pumping ooze out or something or using a battery to make the thing move and whatever and i'm like that's the guy that's the guy that approached then approached the bbc to get a license and they gave him a license i mean they were so backwards in everything they they did uh and then the daypole stuff was that was in the magazine too that was like you know front page news like (laughs) who's getting toys after 140 years yeah the the other thing i wanted to mention about the magazine and we kind of glossed over it. But that issue that I got, my first issue, introduced me to one of my favorite recurring comic strip characters in that magazine, which was Shade. Shade? Was Shade like a detective or something? Shade was uh, a Time Lord. And he he had a, a black outfit and a bulb on his head. Like he worked for the Gallifreyans. And he was, this was the issue he was introduced in, I think. And basically what it was, was the TARDIS was possessed. And he was coming in to help uh, the doctor, uh, you know, fix it before the Time Lords destroyed um, 
destroyed the TARDIS. It was actually, I didn't really love a lot of the Gibbons Baker run. I found it mm-hmm. silly. The first two issues are really good, but then they added that companion, and I remember Marvel reprinted all those, and I was never really a big fan. Um, but I love when it hit its stride with Davison, and even though I'm no fan of the Colin Baker era, those comics are great. Well, is that the one? Frobisher. Yeah, we should talk about the comic because that was the. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Marvel first publish it as a week? Yes, Marvel, Marvel published it until I think. Um, ninety-five, and then Panini. Panini that's took right. over. So, so it had a comic strip in the well. The first weekly issues would have one strip with the Doctor, and then a backup story that was like Chapter One of the War of the Worlds. Oh yeah, like, or, or Absom Dak. Yeah, yeah. Dak became a thing, and um, and I liked those. And I remember the 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 Davison ones. The first one of the first Davison ones I remember was him alone on an island like fishing with his toe and there was like a a japanese soldier that was on the island that it must have crashed or something and and they become friends you know like a a, you know a a british uh, bombers coming overhead or something and whatever and i he dies at the end of the strip and i thought oh this is a that was like the first comic book type thing i think i'd read um of doctor who but but it was fascinating that there was a comic strip in this thing I mean, it was a yeah. whole new world because I didn't know that it had ever been anything. You know, it was just there was no information. Um, but the comic strip was was pretty good. And the, the Colin, because I, I still got it up until probably about 85, maybe fairly regularly or so. And then I, you know, I was just too busy with all the girls. to. Yeah, it. well, I think I think I just burned out and I was more interested in music and uh, film and all these other things, I, I, you know, um, and I really wasn't enjoying the, the, the Baker era. And even when I came back to the McCoy era, I never bought the magazine. And then you, you stopped seeing it for a while. Yeah, I don't think I picked it up again until I got to L.A. many years later. Like, I think the next one I picked up <clears throat> was the issue that had, I mean, I, I just think of this, like, like uh, the next issue I think I picked up. When was the TV movie? 96? Yes. When was the comic relief one? The one that was written by Moffat with Rowan Atkinson? And was that after the TV? It was after the TV movie, wasn't it? I, it may have been, yeah. I think the next one I picked up was was Paul McGann on the cover. And that's how I found out that he was playing the Doctor. And, of course, you know, I'm a massive fan of With Nil and I. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. So I was thrilled that He's doing, oh my God, you know. And then the next one I picked up was the comic relief cover with Rowan Atkinson on the cover, um, just because Rowan Atkinson was on the cover. And then I didn't, you know, that was it. And then <clears throat> I didn't pick it up again until until Eccleston. And and going over, uh, when I was in, in um, London working on a show called Bands Reunited and, and was there for like five weeks, four, four or five weeks doing the show, these other shows like ABC and Haircut 100 and stuff. Um, they was the first issue that had Eccleston on the cover, like his, like his pre-interview, you know, remember they would each, each doctor would be like, Peter Davison is the doctor, you know, Colin Baker is the doctor, that famous cover that they would get to announce. Yeah. 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 It was the Eccleston one. So it was 2004 before the show, before the show came out. And I remember somebody asking me about it and I said, I bet this, this is going to be huge. The show's going to be massive when it comes back. 
and then I would, you know, pick it up occasionally um, through Eccleston and, and Matt Smith, and every now and then I'll, I'll, you know. I had a, I had a weird obsession with it in the mid '90s. Um, I think it was due to all the VHS releases mm-hmm. and the TV movie and all this kind of momentum about Doctor Who, and I was starting to collect Doctor Who merch, and I'd say from like. Um, probably like two three years i was buying it all the time and i actually remember it was the day before my wedding or the couple of days before my wedding and i was stuck in uh, my wife's hometown living in a hotel room and uh i went to their comic book store and they were just like giving away back issues of doctor who monthly mm-hmm. i think they were like a buck a piece so i bought like 30 of them and i started going through them and i became hooked on how they had structured this magazine it was actually uh, really interesting. During that time, the comic book was really good, really good. And uh, they actually had done a controversial move around that time where they regenerated the Doctor. And it was drawn to look like a fan. Um, it actually might have been, um, what's his name there? Um, who runs Big Finish? Oh, um, um, oh my gosh. Yes, yes. He does the voice of the Daleks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was drawn to look like him. Oh. And it was a really interesting, you know, uh, story. And then I guess I can give spoilers. It's a 25-year-old comic book. But it turns out to be Shade, uh, okay. which blew my mind, you know. So I remember really liking that. They had a column in that every month that was written from a girl's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... A lot of people didn't think she was real, uh, but she was a classic Who fan, and she wrote this, you know, little column about her life. And I, I remember one article where she found a Tom Baker, Denny Fisher at a thrift shop, and was super excited about it. And uh, you know, stuff like that. I, I remember really, um, for some reason, Doctor Who is one of those things where I'm really interested in knowing the little details. Mm-hmm. And so that magazine really spoke to me at that time. But I. I you know, as all things, I eventually lost interest in Doctor Who again or, or you know, just forgot about it, got into other yeah, things. So. Sure. But, um, yeah, I, I come, I've come back to that magazine three times in my life. Um, I have not picked it up since they basically uh, youngified their staff. I remember reading that and thinking that's an odd choice. Like, everybody was like under 25 or something like that. Yeah, I know through the years there's been a lot of controversy about the staff and how they've handled things and who has kind of run the magazine. I can tell you, and this, again, spoilers, but whatever, but when I became friendly with, um, um, oh, God, Steve, whose last name is escaping me now, but I just talked about him in one of the videos, um, the guy who started Product, sorry, yeah, the Enterprises. Guy product Enterprise. Yeah. Um, he used to work for Bluebird Toys. Remember the Bluebird little transforming Dalek playset? Yeah, I've got one of those here. One of the greatest Doctor Who toys ever freaking made. That was yeah. all him. That was all him. So he did Product Enterprise. And we got to be friendly from Toy Fair 2007. And eventually emails back and forth. He sent me all those great Graham Humphreys uh, prints because he did a special art show for Graham Humphreys stuff. Uh, who did all their box art. And I sort of would you know, drop it into conversation, email, like, listen, I'm thinking about maybe exploring Doctor Who for a couple of things. Like, what would you think if I did? And how would I go about 
And he would just write these missives about what a nightmare the BBC had been and what a nightmare the magazine is. Because I would say, you guys should be featured in the magazine nonstop. I don't know why you're not, because what you're doing with these radio-controlled Daleks and these talking Daleks, and they were doing a sonic screwdriver prop replica that was being made. And he told me about all these battles with the network, but he told me about a lot of stuff at the magazine and how political it got. And I think there was a sort of a, a house cleaning. People like Gary Russell... You know, uh, you know, guys like that, that we kind of read their stuff back in the day. Um, you know, th there was like some kind of house cleaning and it didn't go over well. So I don't know enough about it, but um, very clicky, I think, the behind oh. with that magazine. But I, I will pick up an occasional issue. I certainly love the big commemorative ones they've done. I've got the 83 one. I've got the 76 one. They might have done one for 1963 that I didn't get because I'm just not just not enough of a William Russell fan, I guess, to go through that. And, Bite your tongue. Um, and spend my nights with William Russell and the, but, they, but they've done other special ones too, of just like the art of Doctor Who, like these great com compendiums of design work, you know, or costumes or location ones. They do these great special issues that are really wonderful. Um, did you, let me ask you this. The book Doctor Who, A Celebration by Peter Haining. Did you come I had it, yeah. Did you come across it, or did you hear about it in the magazine? I heard about it in a magazine, and I begged my mother to do a money order so I could order it for my birthday. <laughs> that I was got, last year. I found a copy of Midway Books, which became the other place that I would go and get the magazine and my Target books and stuff, which was also in a seedy part of town, but which is still there. Midway Books is still there on Snelling Avenue in St. Paul. And they had two copies of the celebration book. And if I'm not mistaken, in 83, it was like $25. Yeah, it was expensive. That was a lot of money for, for a book that size, you know. But, uh, but I don't know if I read about it in the magazine or, or, or not. But, um, but it was, a, you know, it was, it, was, it was like the Internet in a way for information and, and things that we, I wouldn't have had otherwise. You know, back way back then. Oh yeah, and and that was a wonderful time to be alive too, because of the um, the Renaissance for Doctor Who, that 25th anniversary. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, just the just the fact that it suddenly took off in America the way that it did, and it was like they did. Remember that? I found some photos. I sh I'm embarrassed to. I'm in a couple of them, but I should scan them for you and get and so you can. But remember the tour, the truck that went around America. Yeah. With all the props and stuff, did they, did, you know, I saw that at a convention where, where in these photos, I've got photos of Colin Baker and, and uh, Patrick Troughton sitting down to do their, their talk at the convention. Uh, so that must have been 86 or so. Or maybe 85. Uh, so they were talking about the two doctors. Yeah, because Troughton died like a year later, I think, right? He died at a con. He died at a convention, yeah. Yeah. So the, the three the doctors that I've met, I've, I've met Colin Baker twice and I met Patrick Troughton. I think that's it. Is that all I've met? No, Matt Smith. I met Matt Smith at, oh, wow. at, a, at a BBC party at Comic-Con. I've got a picture with Matt Smith. And um, you met Peter Capaldi. Oh, God, what am I thinking? Of course, I met Capaldi. That's the best that's the best one, because that made its way onto the Internet. Some news site had a picture of me and Peter Capaldi that. Somebody, I had one picture of, of the two of us from the front, and then I look online and I see someone, or someone put it on Facebook, like, well, what, look at that I just found. 
And so someone took the, the photo from a different angle, the exact moment that I got my picture. So I've got two photos with me and, and Peter Capaldi. Very cool. And of course, um, I slept with Sylvester McCoy, which no big secret anymore. Oh, it's uh, it's a lot to take. That's, how do you think he got The Hobbit? Yeah, yeah. I made some calls. But uh, there you go. There's a love letter to Doctor Who Monthly, uh, later Doctor Who Weekly, later to become Doctor Who Monthly, later to become Doctor Who Magazine, regenerating along the way, much like the character himself. Yeah, absolutely. It It is, uh, I think it's relevant to this day in this day and age where we're coming up on the 60th anniversary. Isn't that crazy? Which is freaking mind-blowing. And what's the thing I just sent you? What's the, because uh, you'll know these references better than me, the article that just talked about, it seems like for this special, uh, Davis is digging into the comic yeah, I actually wanted to talk about that. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, it looks like he's digging into what would be the first story of the Marvel comics. Uh, not the not the Marvel premieres, but when, you know, I think in 83, uh, Marvel gave um, Doctor Who his own monthly in the U.S. And it was color reprints of those comics. And there was a storyline about a cute little teddy bear type character and um yeah the, the the designs when they showed the um you know what are basically the the bad guys that turn out to be the good guys in that story the, the, it's them it's absolutely them yeah and um davies has done that occasionally where he seems to be dipping into the comics um th- there's been little things i've noticed over the years that feel like you know is he a big marvel comics fan like you know you, you just look at it because there was a couple of stories that he did you know where i kind of thought this feels like you know he took this from here and i think that confirms it for me um see i never knew that i never yeah the, the, the uh, and i didn't get the episode name because i can't remember it but the episode uh that introduces the master again to the series um uh, I forget the name of it. There's, there's a, a oh the thing. With, um with John Sim. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, with uh, Derek Jacobi. That one. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, I really felt like he was taking the 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 villains in that are people that are regressing into like cannibals. Oh yeah. And there is an issue of the Doctor Who comic. Oh yeah. Well, the end of the line. It's a really dark issue. It's super dark. It's the Baker one. It's yeah, Baker. and see, it, it's a bunch bro- of cannibals with like bang, just they look exactly the same. You're right. I never, I never put that together. It's funny you, you bring it up because, because I remember reading those, getting those weeklies, and thinking there was a darkness that went through that comic. Yeah. You know, and it makes sense. You know, as the years go on, and you you start to learn more about 2000 AD and Strontium Dog and all these these British comics that were so violent and so satirical and so dark. And yeah, um, it made sense that it would kind of bleed into the because didn't Alan Moore write a couple of Doctor Who stories, too? He absolutely did. Yes. One of the some of the early Baker ones. I mean, that's talk about a talk about worlds colliding like my God, Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons working on Doctor Who. And then making, you know, the greatest graphic novel of all time. 
Um, well, my opinion, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I it, it's, it's that and, one I wouldn't argue too much with. That, that and Mary Worth. Yeah, I'm, oh, well, you can't argue with Mary Worth. <laughs> Collected volume. Volume. <laughs> but, are are uh, you excited about the CW Mary Worth show? I, I haven't got there yet. I need, to, oh, okay. I, need to, I need to get more information. I don't want to get too excited. I really, really hope they can get um, Jessica Fletcher there. Um, <laughs> I believe that. They uh, better hurry. They better hurry. They better hurry. <laughs> they, um, they, uh, you know, I've been let down too many times by the CW. I don't want to get my hopes up. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to give up. Um, but, you know, what's fun is what you're doing with Toy Ventures is so UK magazine. Yeah. You know, besides the content, but just the giving a premium with each issue is such a UK thing. Like, I'm not sh- I'm not sure I can think of any U.S. magazines where I got that growing up. But it, it every from music magazines to, you know, kids magazines to girls. Yes, I remember Beano's used to come with all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, or like a, they'd always tape a badge to the front of the issue, like Dan Dare or, yeah. you know, um, uh, you know, uh, like a Captain Scarlet thing or something. I've got a bunch of this stuff sitting in a drawer. Somewhere. I've got a Nash. I had a Nasher puppet as a kid. Um, oh. You know, Dennis, Dennis the Menace's dog. Yeah. Yeah, I was really happy. It was just one of those cheap, you know, McDonald's hand puppets that I'm also trying to get made in China. Um, there you go. I keep I keep <laughs> wanting to rip off these ideas, you know. Um, yeah, my God. I'm, you know why not? You could start a you could start a trend. Well, you know I always thought the the natural progression of that stuff that I loved when I was younger, because I've been addicted to British magazines since I was a kid, obviously, and certainly through high school when I started, to, you know, when I found Q magazine and Empire magazine, and you know these Q is no longer with us, but Empire's still going. And now it looks like a a pamphlet. It's so thin. But, you know, Mojo and Uncut and whatever, still coming with a free CD attached to the front of the magazine. It, it used to be once in a while on the cover of Q, you'd get a, a CD sampler of the, the year's best music, the best of 97 or whatever. But it always made me think of the those other premiums that came with, with British magazines. It's a very British thing to give a, a freebie like that away. So I'm glad to see you continue the tradition with the Toy Ventures magazine. Yeah, I um I would release a CD, but no one wants to hear me sing. And uh, you never know. You yeah. never know. Maybe just the one with your poetry on it. You could you could. Oh put... yeah, yeah. It's it's in German though. Yeah, that's all the better. It's 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 the romantic language, German. The international language of love. I say that to my wife all the time. <laughs> so there you go. I hope you've learned something from this uh, episode. And if not, um. It's not our fault. You just weren't paying attention. There's a lot yeah. to here. You're going to fail the test. That's right. Um, we'd no. love to talk to you guys about this. Uh, you can hit us up in our Facebook group, Pod Stallions, which is um, much bigger than I ever expected it to be, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it's it's a very thriving group, and it's, it's a really the- nice community. While we're on the subject, do you know how many people are in the Pod Stallions Facebook group? Because you're you're far more in there than I, I'm. Like this sort of, I'm like the mysterious. You talk about it, you in there. I've mentioned that. Um, I pop in every now and then, but I but I pay attention. But you're in there. But like, do you know? Is there a lot of people in there now in the group? Oh yeah. Um, let me get you the population of the group. Please do. Do 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 do. 
1.7 thousand people. 1,700 people. Wow. Yeah. Well, so there you go. So if half of that watches my show, Plastic Soul, on the Entertainment Earth. If half of that gave me a dollar every week, <laughs> he was also go to work. And also gave us each a dollar every yeah. week. <laughs> but for now, if you just go and watch the new YouTube shorts and maybe hit like or subscribe or make a nice comment, then oh, I'm halfway on my way to uh, a series on the CW. Yeah, yeah, where you'll be played by uh, Jessica Fletcher. Jessica What's Fletcher. the hell? Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury, come on. Yeah. Angela Lansbury. Is Mary Worth. Yeah, because we couldn't get Margaret Rutherford because she's no longer with us. Yeah, yeah, Doris Roberts is also no longer with us. She'd be a good Mary Worth. She would have been a great Mary Worth. That'd be a good Mary Worth. Or, or you know, go full Hollywood and get Charlize Theron in loads of prosthetics. You know, what's really funny is I, I had to go see a stage show of uh, Annie that my daughter was on the crew of. Mm -hmm. And I watched it. And my wife was kind of amused. She said, you know, I kept expecting, I guess I've watched too many Marvel movies, but I kept expecting an end credit scene. <laughs> and I was like, what, what did you expect? Like Dick Tracy to come out and say, Annie, Mary Worth is missing. <laughs> you know? And then I was like, okay, I want to see that movie. <laughs> Get in little Abner's car. We've got to go. <laughs> I love it. She's like, well, we can't leave yet. What do you mean? We can't leave. There's going to be an end credits. Yeah. Post credits thing. Like, no, there's no credits. Are you crazy? Oh, come on. But she just, it was just an That's aside funny. joke. And I was like, then I just kind of, and then I ended up trying to watch Dick Tracy that night, um, which is hard to find. Uh, but anyway, it, it just, it got me into this whole um <laughs> avengers of newspaper and it's like you know what this isn't that weird i bet you somewhere this is sitting on someone's desk in some other multiverse it's yeah. sitting, like like the teaser at the end will be of annie will be the the tease for nancy and sluggo like their yeah. crime spree the, like the, the hearst syndicate yeah universe is is you know s s h s u just uh, waiting waiting in the wings they have, you should do a Dick Tracy episode, too, because that's a fun... We could talk about that, the merchandise, the movies. I'm fascinated with that. I'd love to do that. I am, too, because I think that is an underrated movie, and uh, it is insane. It is completely insane in so many ways, but it is yeah. it is a one of a kind, so we can let's do that. Let's not give it away. Yeah, let's not give it away. <laughs> let's not do one right yeah, now. Yeah, don't don't mention the blank. Don't say yeah, anything. Yeah. You'll have to subscribe. All right. All right. Well, there you go. That was fun. Yeah, it was great. And uh, I'd love to hear your feedback, folks. Anyway, until next time, be well. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Cheers.